We ask for love, and the world offers what it has, but it's fleeting and momentary. To find the love that lasts, we have to pass through the glittering town square and open the city gate. Walk toward the pastures of uncertainty onto a long, narrow road under a cold but starry sky into a barn that's never noticed into the manger that holds all of the love of God. See, we expected it at the big party under the extravagant tree beneath the biggest bow and the shiniest paper. Instead, here it is, tiny, humble, helpless, offered. We kneel, overwhelmed. We almost missed you, even as we tried to celebrate you. Forgive us, Lord. Pour out your love so we can offer it to the world. Amen. Amen. Um, I have the privilege of introducing our uh, speaker, bringing the word this morning. Uh, his name is Tim Purcell, and his official title now is Assistant to uh, the District Superintendent of the Northwestern District of the Wesleyan Church. Is that right, Tim? Did I catch all that? More or less. Uh, but before that, he was uh, the, dist the District Superintendent. And uh, of the Wesleyan Church, to which we're a part of. And Tim uh, is a, a terrific uh, shepherd leader, and we are so glad to be able to have him uh, all the way up from Charles City this morning. And Shim, uh, Tim was uh, instrumental in helping launch this campus even uh, through funding and things like that. So would you please give me, or give him rather, a warm welcome to the stage, Tim Purcell. Welcome. Thanks. That was... That was a little self-serving. Please give me applause as he comes. <laughs> Do they call that a Freudian slip, perhaps? Yeah. Hey, good morning. So good to see you. Well, you know, uh, you heard the scoop. I'm no longer the DS. I got fired. And uh, yeah, no. yeah, it might be good news for you because I can't fire you now. Uh, no, our, our district merged with another district this summer, and, and now our district uh, covers the north half of the United States all the way from the Mississippi River to the Pacific Ocean. And uh, yeah, yeah, somebody said, whoa. Um, and I still, I still am the primary contact person in the states of Iowa and Minnesota, so you're not getting rid of me anytime soon that I know of. But we're kind of excited about some of the stuff God's doing. Uh, we've planted two new churches in our two-state region, more than that, throughout the rest of the district, but Celebrate Community Church in Sibley, Iowa, launched a few months ago, and uh, Revolution Community Church launched in uh, Cedar Rapids. We're excited about that. We have two more church plants on the uh, docket for the Minneapolis area, which is something we're really excited about. Um, one of the things that I'm thrilled about is that we launched our very first ministry called Immigrant Connection. Has any of you heard of Immigrant Connection? It's, it's a ministry designed to be the hands and feet of Jesus by providing uh, low-cost or free uh, legal assistance to immigrants who are trying to navigate that whole naturalization immigration process. And our first Immigrant Connection was launched in Mankato 
just recently, and we've already helped uh, four immigrants attain uh, citizenship uh, as United States citizens. And so we're really excited about that, and we'll have other immigrant connections launching soon. So just, there are commercials done, but um, it's just, I just think it's good to, for us to be reminded we're part of something bigger than just what's going on here. We're excited about what's going on here, but we're part of something bigger. I, I'm really, really excited to be a part of your Advent series, uh, God With Us. That's a great title for an Advent series. I was a pastor for 31 years before I took this job 13 years ago, so you can kind of do the math. And, uh, and uh, Yep, he's old. Um, but when I was a pastor, I particularly loved the seasons like Advent and Lent. And so this scratches an itch for me to be able to be a part of this series. So thank you, Pastor Jason and Ben, for this privilege. So this morning, you, you lit the love candle. And we're going to drill down into that wonderful but elusive thing called love. Have you noticed that our culture is in love with love? Um, tuned to nearly any radio station, as if anybody listens to radio anymore. Apparently somebody does. But most of the songs, regardless of the genre, whether it's country or rock or pop or whatever... Most of the songs have as their theme what? Love. Yeah. Um, make a movie about love and people will buy tickets or tune into Netflix. In fact, you can go home today, turn on the Hallmark Channel, and you can watch Christmas movies about love from now until Christmas Day, 24 hours a day. And, uh, you know... And the thing I love about those Hallmark movies is they're all so different from one another. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Some variation of high power attorney comes back from the city to the small town and finds love. Well, that was different. Well, no, not really. Uh, anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked. We're in love with love. I mean, you know... And I think, I think there's a good reason for it, um, two-part reason. One is that it's part of how we're created with just a longing to love and be loved, right? I mean, it's just inherent in all of us that life is incomplete. But here's the second part. The second part of that is we're just so bad at it. Can we admit that? You know, as human beings, we're just not very good at this love thing. We want to be, but we're just not. So before we dive into the passage we're going to study today, let's do a little definition. Um, how do you define love? I mean, it's elusive. It's a little bit like nailing jello to the wall. How do you define that? Uh, in the English language, love can describe anything from the feelings that a husband and wife have for each other uh, to the emotions that you feel for a grandchild, to your desire for a deep dish pizza with extra cheese, okay? Um, and so love fits all of those. You may know that the New Testament originally was written in the Greek language, which was the most common language of the day. And there are actually five or six different Greek words for love with just different variations. 
primarily three in the New Testament are used. One is eros, E-R-O-S, um, and it describes that, that passion love, uh, romantic love. Uh, another Greek word is phileo, P-H-I-L-E-O, and that's a friendship love. You know, it's like I come up to one of you guys afterwards and I love you, man. Uh, friendship love. But the word used in the passage today, repeatedly, the root word is agape, A-G-A-P-E. And it has very little to do with emotions or feelings. And it has everything to do with actions and commitment. And it is the highest form of love there is. If you want an accurate definition of agape love, just dive into the first few verses of 1 Corinthians 13. And you'll see that love is patient, love is kind, etc., etc. It's unselfish, it's sacrificial, it never gives up, it's unconditional, it's involved, it's tough. So this morning, we're not going to look at one of the classic Christmas stories, like from Matthew 1 and 2 or Luke 1 and 2. Instead, we're going to dive into John's first epistle, chapter 4, and actually, this is a pretty good Christmas passage. And we're going to dive into love. And every time we read the word love, just remember it's agape, the highest form. Let's start with verses 7 and 8. <clears throat> Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. So let's start with this uh, introductory idea. Oh, by the way, if you grew up attending Sunday school, probably your very first memory verse was 1 John 4, 8. Anybody? And it was, you didn't memorize the whole verse, you just memorized three words of it, which were what? God is love. It rings a bell, doesn't it? I remember when our son Mark came home from Sunday school, he was three or four years old, he was so proud of himself, he wanted to recite his memory verse, and he said, God is love, 1 John, verse 4, verse 8, is the way, and, and he was so proud of himself, and uh, you know, he didn't quite get the reference right, but he got theology spot on, God is love. So let's start with this kind of introductory proposition. Love is not something God has or does. It is what he is. Uh, John doesn't say God is loving. Doesn't say God has love. He says God is love. He can't not love because it's part of his character. C.S. Lewis said this, God loves us not because we're lovable, <laughs> thank goodness, um, I'm saying that for me, not you, I'm sure you're very lovable. <laughs> this is not a time, ladies, to elbow your husband. Um, 
God loves us not because we were lovable, but because he is love. So here's the deal. Our worth and performance has nothing to do with God's love for us. And, and it seems like we have the hardest time getting that through our thick skulls. It has nothing to do with it, which is really good news for us. I remember years ago, I heard this phrase, there's nothing you can do to cause God to love you more. I was okay with that part of it. But the second part of it said, there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. And I always struggled with that for a while. You mean, even if I go out and commit the most heinous sin in the world, God doesn't love me less? No, he does not. Now, don't misunderstand me. That doesn't mean there aren't consequences. But you absolutely have nothing to say about God's love for you. It is constant because of his character, not yours. So after establishing that love comes from God because God is love, John goes on and describes several characteristics of this love, and we're going to look at four of them today. I'm sure there are more than that in this passage, but there are four that rise to the surface like cream for me in verses 9 through 12. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Here's the first thing. God's love initiates. He loved first. He sent his one and only son into the world, John tells us. This series is based on a phrase that you'll find in Matthew 1.23 when the angel appeared to Joseph to reassure him that this child that Mary was bearing really was the son of God. So go ahead and marry her. And here's what it says. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That is God initiating. Not God waiting out in outer space and saying, okay, you human beings, when you get your act together, let's talk. No. He initiated. Not staying at a distance, but coming to us. It's stunning. In fact, it's beyond stunning. A couple more verses right out of this chapter. Verse 10, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. He wanted to save us, so he initiated love. So here's the deal. Agape love does not hold back. Agape love does not say, you go first. Agape love says, 
I'll go first. Agape love says, I'll risk. Agape love says, even if you'd reject me, I'm going to risk. I'm going to reach first. And that's what God did, okay? Emmanuel, God with us. Here's the second thing. God's love restores. It gives life. Verse 9 says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. When you really love someone, you want them to live. When you really want some, love someone, you want them to experience the best. That's why it hurts so much. When you have to watch someone you love making destructive choices. And you say, don't do that. Oh, you think, you think that's going to give life, but it's not. It's going to destroy you. Don't do that. You experience that with someone you love? Anybody? Yeah. Because when you love somebody, you want them to live. God's desire for us is to restore everything that Satan has stolen from us through sin. See, when God created our first parents, Adam and Eve, he created us to live eternally and abundantly. But sin came into the world through those first parents. And ever since that time, Life's been hard. But Jesus came into the world, Emmanuel, God with us, to restore, to redeem, to give back all that was stolen from us. Not coincidentally, it was John who recorded in his gospel the words of Jesus, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Or King James Version says, or have it abundantly. Years ago, I was, excuse me, years ago, I was gripped by a quote by an author named Scott Cernow, and he said this. Uh, I just think it's a wonderful turn of a phrase. He says, we seek all things that we might enjoy life, but Christ gives us life that we might enjoy all things. We restlessly seek a life of abundance, but Christ gives us an abundance of life. So that's the second characteristic of God's love. It restores. It wants to give back what was stolen. It wants the best for you. Here's another one. God's love sacrifices, does whatever it takes. It goes the distance. Verse 10 says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It gives, it provides, it's not selfish. It does what it takes. There is no price that agape love won't pay in order to restore what was stolen. 
Think about that simple phrase, God with us, and all that it implies. Let's start with an easy one. Jesus gave up heaven for earth. How many of you know that was a lousy trade? You know, that was a lousy trade. Um, leaving the perfection of paradise to live on this sin-cursed planet. He also gave up kingship for servanthood, another terrible trade. From commanding universes with the Father to washing the feet of dirty, smelly human beings. <clears throat> From commanding angels to leading a band of no-name disciples. Never clinging to his rights as God. What a sacrifice. He sacrificed omnipotence and omnipresence for a life of weakness on planet Earth. He went from omnipotence to an ordinary physical body where you had to eat and drink and sleep. Had to walk everywhere he went. He faced temptation. He had to pray. Ever let that grip you? Jesus had to pray. Hmm. He felt emotions. He shed tears. I'm sure he laughed a lot. Jesus was not pretending to be human. He was human. He was just like us, the people he came to save in every way except one, and that was he was sinless. The sinless one chose to live a life among us to lead us to God. It went the distance. This was no half-hearted, symbolic thing. It wasn't like some movie star flying to a third world country and snapping a few pictures with some needy people before he went back to his five-star hotel. Jesus was one of us. Sacrificed, whatever it takes. One more. God's love is limitless. The more you give, the more you have. The last part of verse 12 says this, God lives in us and his love is made complete, okay? Uh, complete. You're not going to run out of it because he is love. Um, and he's constantly renewing it in us. Agape love is not dependent on circumstances. Agape love is not dependent on the behavior of the other person or how lovable somebody is. It's dependent on our relationship with God. I, uh, I love my wife Dawn better when I love him best. See, because love comes from him. It's the only way to have it renewed is from him. I love you better when I love him best. That's why it's limitless, okay? So God's love is pretty amazing. Those are four pretty cool things, right? All right, hang on to your saddle. Now it gets hard. Unless you want to just close in prayer now.
you know, and not stir up indigestion with the hard stuff. Let's do it. I'm going to call this next part love's command. We talked about love's characteristics, love's command. Let's go back to verses 7 and 8 again, and then we're going to jump down to verse 19. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Geez, that's pretty heavy-handed. Pretty black and white. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he's given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So so John says, you know, it doesn't make sense to say you love God if you don't love that person whose God's spirit indwells. He says you can't can't disconnect the two. And let's go back to John's gospel real quick. Chapter 13, starting at verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So here's the deal. Love for others is a command, not a choice. That's love's command. I mean, it's it's like... It's not an option. Uh, It's not on a case-by-case basis. And this is a theme that shows up over and over and over and over again in Scripture, that if you love God, then you will love others. Why? Because what did we establish? God is love. We cannot be connected to the source of love without that love flowing through us. You can't separate the two. But understand this, you don't love others as a means of earning God's love. You love others because you've embraced God's love. It's just simply an extension of loving him. Um... Can I confess something to you? Are we all friends here? Can can you keep a secret? It's not like this is going online or anything, is it? Here's, Here's my issue. I don't mind the command to love others. I'm cool with that. As long as I get to define what love is. Yeah, I lost my temper and yelled at you, but I did it in love. No. Here's the part that messes me up. Jesus says, as I have loved you. Mm. It's incredibly costly, risky, and inconvenient to love other people the way Jesus loved me. Gonna get hurt sometimes. 
going to get rejected sometimes. So here's the hard part. The hard part is loving others the same way Jesus loves me. You know, all that stuff that we just talked about, initiating, not waiting for the other person to go first, restoring what is stolen. How can I help you restore what's been stolen from you? How can I help you live? Sacrifice. No price is too big. No price is too big. And I'm never going to run out of love for you. See, that's the hard part. So I just have two quick questions as we wrap up today. A who and a how. Who needs my love this week? Perhaps a better way to word it is, who does God need to love through me this week? I, uh, I know you're familiar with the phrase, who's my one? Does that ring a bell? Yeah. I love that phrase because it forces you to put a name. You can't just love people in general. I'm just going to go through life sprinkling love like fairy dust, you know? Now, who? Who is it that God has placed in your life that you would be brokenhearted if they passed into eternity without knowing him? Who is that person? And then how? How am I going to show love? Do I need to initiate? Do I need to go first? Do I need to sacrifice? Here's the thing. This all sounds really risky, doesn't it? Sounds like I might get hurt. Can I put your mind at ease about the might get hurt? Forget that. You will get hurt. At some point, you know, I don't want to be all negative about it. Ask Jesus how it worked out for him, God with us. But here's the thing. Another C.S. Lewis quote, and then I'm done. Hell is the only place outside of heaven where we can be safe from the dangers of love. So love, like he loved you, it's worth it. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from Who? God. Can I pray for you, please? Father, I just want to thank you so much for the privilege of worshiping with this congregation today, this wonderful family of believers that you are drawing together here in Ankeny. And I just thank you for this incredible picture of love, your love, your love that was the whole motivation behind the idea of Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for loving us unconditionally. Thank you for loving us sacrificially. And may we be so connected to you that though it's hard sometimes, and we won't get it right, 
but we'll live a life committed to loving others. Not by our rules, but the way that you loved us. It's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen.